0: Most of chapter 2. We're going to start back in chapter 1 of Luke to give us a little context to all that has happened here. If you kept your Bibles open, it's in verse 26 that we begin. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, the virgin birth, or more exactly, the virgin conception... Is one of those doctrines that have been, that has been attacked throughout the generations both by non believers and the, the liberal theologians. Um, these groups are quick to dismiss anything that is supernatural and in general ridicule those like, like me who hold these views um, that a virgin conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in their minds when they hear Mary uh, say, Well, an angel visited me to explain her pregnancy." Uh, it sounds like an excuse to deflect suspicion to them. Okay? So put yourself in Mary's shoes. Okay? You're 15, maybe 16, maybe. You're engaged to Joseph. Now just as a sidebar here, they were very serious about premarital purity in the first century. And when you were engaged, it was just pretty much the same as being married, except you didn't live together. So this was the scandal of Mary being with child. So in the first century they're very serious about this and by the way they had the order correct. Boy meets girl, parents approve of boy, um daughter, three daughters, so I'm on the daughter side. Parents approve of boy, boy and girl get engaged, boy and girl get married, and then they start having children. Okay? Just Just in case. Now in today's world, we wouldn't even blink an eye at Mary. But in the first century, that was the death penalty for Mary. That's why an angel had to come and have a little talk with Joseph. Because scripture says he was going to put her away quietly, going to basically divorce her. But the angel said, no, what is inside of her is from the Lord. So it's very clear throughout the New Testament uh, that the virgin birth was a given uh, to the apostles. They, they never questioned it. There was never a doubt about the Savior's conception, and was, which was the result of divine intervention. And Luke's a record of Gabriel's visit to Mary, which he probably received right from Mary, tells us that Mary was as surprised as any woman would be to hear these words from an angel. Uh, to, one, to see an angel, but then to hear those words that you will carry the Son of God. Because even in the first century they knew where babies came from. Okay. No doubt about that. Yet nothing is impossible with God. We see this in verse 37. 36. Behold your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This uh, is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Jesus was conceived through the direct intervention of the Holy Spirit. Now. You would expect me to say that. And it kind of rolls off my tongue as a given because Scripture is replete with evidences relative to that. But that statement is full of very, very deep theological truth. So let me try to flesh that out for you in in, in, a couple easy bits here. Everybody has a problem with sin. Now, we don't need to have a discussion about sin in our world. All you have to do is read the news every day. Riots, murders, thieves, liars, uh, all kinds of terrible things go on. You think, well, wouldn't we learn by now that those things are bad and we shouldn't do them? But every day there's a whole new batch of people doing those things. Sin is rampant within society because it is rampant within our hearts. So in the larger picture, a remedy for our problem of sin, we find that anybody who was born in the normal way is tainted by sin. our nature It's who we are if you can't fix your own sin how can you fix anybody else's sin so God overcame this problem through the virgin birth of Jesus providing a mediator between God and man conceived by the Holy Spirit we call that in fancy terms the incarnation that's when the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us he did so without inheriting the sin nature that I have that we all have so what about Mary well in the birth announcement of Jesus as it was delivered to Mary scripture tells us that she has been blessed far above any other woman this is she is to be regarded as the favored one for she was given this immense privilege immense privilege and responsibility of carrying the Incarnate Son of God in her womb she is as one of the great councils council of Chalcedon back in, in 451 AD entitled her the Theotokos, the God-bearer. Now that was not a, a, to honor Mary, but that was to confirm that Jesus Christ, the one in her womb, was the Son of God. That's why they called her that. Now, Mary carried to term and gave birth in Bethlehem, the incarnate Son of God. It's a big responsibility Pardon me, for 15, 16-year-old maybe. So once Gabriel announced the the father's plan to Mary, that she would carry and give birth to Jesus, the rest really basically of chapter 1, and the rest of the narrative into chapter 2 is all about how Mary responded to this. Now there are a couple references to how others responded, and we'll look at those in a minute. But what did Mary say after the angel explained all these things to her? Now if this was a modern day Mary in, in today's world, she might go, wow, that's really cool. Okay? That is really something. You know what? I think I'm going to start a blog. And and I'm going to do some Instagram as, as I go along and show how it develops. And then I'm going to write a book at the end. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to get on Oprah. It is going to be fabulous. That's not what Mary said. Behold, I am the maidservant of the Lord. Behold, I am the maidservant. Mary was just a young girl. She was not divine, not the queen of the universe, nothing like that. She was a sinner, just like the rest of us. But the text shows us that she had a willingness to obey the Lord. A willingness to obey the Lord. And this is what we can learn from Mary. How to be in subjection to God when he's got a different plan than our plan. Now you may have run into this in your life where you've got this plan in your life and it is all laid out. You know what you're going to be doing and along comes the Lord and he intervenes in some fashion. Perhaps it's someone comes into your life. Perhaps it is an accident. Perhaps it is a disease that comes into your life that throws everything out of whack. You say, Lord, this is not what I had in mind. But what did Mary say? Behold, I am the maidservant of the Lord. Whatever you want, Heavenly Father, Is what I'm going to do. So, the announcement of what's going to happen starts with some of the best words we could ever find, and it is not once upon a time. Okay, this is no fairy tale. The words that are given to us put this in historic context. It begins with the words of real history, and it came to pass. In those days. And then it lists some historic markers of events that we can point to that say, okay, here's the year, here's the time of year, this is where it was, and this is why it was there. So in obedience to the decree of Caesar Augustus, uh, Joseph picks up and he has to go to the city of David, Bethlehem. Now he doesn't actually have to take his wife with him because he is the one who has to register. But Mary's pretty far along and um, I, I just can't imagine she would be too excited if he left at this point. Now, I don't believe she was too excited to get on a donkey and ride the, the 30 or so miles down to Bethlehem either. Uh, we were talking to uh, somebody earlier today, and, and she's about two or three weeks away, and said, how would you like to get on a donkey and ride to Scottsboro today? Uh, she declined to do that. I kind of declined. <laughs> And it had to go to Bethlehem. Why? Well, that was determined way before Caesar Augustus arrived on the scene and said you had to go to your city of birth. Because the prophet Micah, years and years ago, said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old, from ancient of days. So in fulfillment of that... She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So, in the last couple weeks here at Central, we have seen the angel and his announcement, and we read a little bit about that. And then the heavenly host come and sing Gloria, and how the shepherds then made haste to Bethlehem. They weren't going to see Mary. They weren't making haste to see Joseph. They made haste to see the child, that was the announcement from the angel. And once they had seen him, they made widely known what they had been told by the angel concerning this child. And they told everybody that they heard, they told everybody that they saw, and all that heard it wondered. Now, the, uh, the translation here is very good on those words. All that heard it wondered. Wondered. Isn't that interesting? Wow, that's really cool. I don't think they said cool. But that's really interesting. Now, now, I didn't see any angel. But the shepherds said they saw angels. But, but you know, shepherds really can't be trusted because, you know, their, their testimony isn't allowed in a court of law. So I don't know if we can trust them on this. Um, uh, well, I'll think about that some more. i got kids to feed. i got to get home. They wondered about it. The wondering is an unbelieving Wondering. A momentary thought that perhaps, perhaps, there was something bigger than themselves out there. Perhaps that there is a God out there who has deigned to come into this world in the form of a child, just as the shepherd said. Just maybe, just maybe, they would think about it in their bed at that night. When they all, when it's all quiet and the only voice they hear are the ones that are inside the their own head. Maybe. God actually did come into this world. I don't know. I can't think about that today. I'll think about that tomorrow. Back to real life. Is that the way you wonder about the Christ child? It's not really my my sin. He didn't come to pay for my sin. He didn't come to atone for me. I'm not that bad. You should see so-and-so. They're really bad. Do you think about the fact that you stand accountable before an eternal God, or do you simply say, oh, you know, I just love Christmas. I love when everybody comes into town. I love the cookies and, the, you know, we, cut, we, we get the fatted calf and it's a big celebration and the warm fuzzies all over. I just love Christmas. The shepherds didn't just wonder. Now, how do we know that? They were changed because they left doing two things, praising and glorifying God. And you don't praise and glorify God unless your life, entire life has been changed. Because you know the truth. Your eyes have been opened. Now, it doesn't say in Scripture, so we'll just conjecture, how long did the shepherds do this? Do you think they went back to Bethlehem every year to look up Mary and see how Jesus was doing? It doesn't say. Now, looking back, I think, I I might have, I would have, just to see how he was growing, how he was maturing. But Mary, Mary in contrast to those who wandered, she pondered, which is a very different word, a very different word. She turned it over in her soul and in her heart. Now, of course, every mother spends those hours just in that you know, new mother rocking chair, holding that baby, looking at their Winston Churchill face, you know, and it'll punch you like that, and, and, and thinking, I wonder what the Lord has planned for, for this child. I wonder what it's going to be. And, and you, you sit there and you think about all these things. She knew God was the father of this child. She knew that the word spoken by the angel Gabriel had come to pass here in her little son. Luke chapter 1 And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So, what did the Scripture say Mary did? She kept these things in her heart. She kept these things what she saw what she heard she pondered them she turned them over in her heart 8 days later when he was circumcised she kept those things in her heart when she took the child to the temple 13 years later when he couldn't find him and he was uh, talking with the chief priests and the elders and, and so impressed them with his knowledge of, of the Old Testament. She kept those things in her heart. Every night when she tucked him into bed, she pondered those things until the day she stood at the foot of the cross that he would give his life for us. She pondered that until Sunday morning came and he had risen, not in humility, not in shame, not in disgrace, like being born in Bethlehem in a manger because there's no room in the inn, but raised in glory and triumph and exaltation. It's his conception, his birth, his sinless life, giving his life on the cross and overcoming the grave that means we who are gathered here on this night might know what it means to be free from the bondage of sin, free from the eternal punishment that's due that sin and free to know the grace that is offered in this child of Mary's, Jesus Christ the Lord. So ponder this. Turn it over in your heart. The immeasurable load of our sin was placed right here on this child. Born so long ago. Born in a far away place. Laid in a manger. It was laid upon him so you would never have to bear it. And this child was born specifically to carry that load of sin upon himself. And go to the cross and give his life So that we might know salvation. Why did he do this? Why would he do that for us? Think about yourself. Really are you worth the life of the son of God? To him you are. To him you are. Could Jesus gain something from this? Did he earn something he didn't have? What could come to him that was not his? He owned everything. He did it for the joy set before him. That's what Hebrews tells us. And that joy is the freeing of your soul from the bondage of sin and giving you eternal life. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come here on this night to ponder the things of Christ. To turn them over again and again in our hearts, in our minds, in the very depths of our souls. We don't want to be just those who wonder about what happened. We want to be those that the things of Christ, his coming into this world to give his life for us, that these things would stay in our hearts, that these things would change our hearts, that we would know a freedom that the world promises but never fulfills on that. There's always one more thing to do. One more thing and you can have joy. Try this and you can have joy. Try that. We will never know the joy until we know Christ. Then it's a joy that can never be taken from us. Let us experience that this night, Lord. Move in our hearts that we would leave changed by this child born so long ago this child who was born to give his life for the likes of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to participate here. In-